Welcome to See the World Differently. Come explore and discover the world around you. Hey there, welcome to this month's episode of See the World Differently with Oceanscape Yachts. I'm your host, Rebecca Taylor, and this week I was joined by Richard, who is the cruise director on board Alikai Voyages um, all the way over in Indonesia. He woke up early just to chat with us. Um, this was an excellent discussion, especially as we're all still cooped up here. Uh, we're October 2021, but um, as you all know, the pandemic has been dragging on a little bit. And while borders are getting more and more um, relaxed about opening and things like that, it's still um, definitely not what it used to be quite yet. Uh, Vaccines are rolling out everywhere, obviously, um, and that's very promising. But this chat really made me uh, miss travel, miss that region of Indonesia, especially, uh, and just all the incredible wonders that are over there. So I feel like I say that at the beginning of every episode, um, how much I'm missing travel, but I know I'm not the only one. All right. So today we're on the phone um, all the way from Bali with Richard. Uh, He's the cruise director on board the um, Phoenici sailing yacht Ali Kai, based out of Indonesia as well. Um, and it's really great to have them on the call because I touched base with you guys around the summertime, I think. A um, member of your team reached out um, and let us know that this fantastic yacht was available. Obviously, we love to feature some of the amazing yachts around the globe. So if you can share a little bit um, first about yourself, we'd love to know, you know how you got involved with the boat, how you became a cruise director and based out of Indonesia now. Obviously, I know you're not from there hearing your accent. Um, so yeah, if you can share a little bit about yourself first. Yeah, good morning to you. It's a, it's a, it's a pleasure to be um, on the phone to you this, this fine morning. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm a cruise director. I'm currently um, working for Likai Voyage. So uh, we run um, cruises out of Indonesia or throughout Indonesia, I should say. Um, my my journey to get here is quite quite a long one to be very honest with you. I'll try and um, condense it as much as I can. Um, basically, the majority of my last five to ten years has been spent um, chasing a career in the dive industry. So I was a dive instructor in various uh, locations around the world, predominantly in Thailand, uh, Tenerife, and I actually started off doing a um, little bit of work in Turkey. Um, one of the amazing things about the dive industry is while it, it's, it's an industry that covers the whole world and all these magical destinations that you can spend your life trying to see them all and you, you probably struggle, yeah. it's actually still quite a small and interconnected um, community, you know. So it often turns out to, to be a lot about who you know and who you make a good impression in front of. And when you start looking for positions and often people reach out and friends of friends tend to, you know, you tend to be able to cover a lot of a lot of areas just by this so there was a job uh, opportunity that came up as a dive center manager in um in a beautiful resort called Aman Wana so one of Aman's resorts in uh, in Sumbawa just um a little bit to the east of Bali so um the fantastic thing there was they had two uh, charter yachts that, that basically operated out of Aman Wana um, and in my time their uh, position became available on one of those um and it's safe to say that once i stepped on board i I just didn't look back you know that was three years ago and um what a magical experience and a privilege to be able to escort people from all around the world in these magical voyages Mm -hmm. um throughout this this really incredible location yeah and i think that area too i had the pleasure of being on board um a different yacht dunyabaru over there quite a few years ago now but uh that was a charter yacht there and I actually got certified to dive while on board and I I couldn't imagine 
being based out of there and able to dive because I barely scratched the surface, I'm sure. So I'm sure every time you go out on a voyage with, you know, clients and crew and whoever else, it's like doing it all for the first time. Because it probably is some of yeah, it, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And you know, the, the the nature of this country and the opportunities and the potential that is here means that in some of the locations like Rajarampa where we go cruising, and I believe that's where you were on Junior Baru. Yeah. Um, like it one cruise to another is never the same. Mm-hmm. You know, you always you'll see a different beach or you'll you'll think, oh, let's try this dive site. And even on the dives, you know, I, I I could I could draw you I could draw you pictures of a lot of dive sites and I could go back to them and I'll still see a fish sometimes and think, I haven't seen you before. Yeah. <laughs> Um, just, the, the, the diversity is just spectacular. Back at home, I, I actually studied marine biology um, many years ago, um, and it's not something I claim to still be an expert in, having been so long out of university. But right. I'd like to think I've got a bit of knowledge about that environment. And um, even still to this day, you know, many, many thousands of dives into into Asia, uh, it still never ceases to amaze me. Yeah, being underwater. And, yeah, incredible. And to be able to do that for a living and share that passion with others, it's like you said, it's kind of a a long history but it's almost a long road to get you exactly where you need to be and it's kind of uniting all of your passions and into one it sounds like yeah absolutely and and, and that's that's the thing with the with the cruise director position particularly in indonesia because i think i think the style of 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 um of that role in indonesia is quite different to how you how that would be on, on other vessels you know um a lot of the charter vessels generally would be would normally have less crew. So what mm-hmm. is my position as a cruise director here? In other countries, it'd be closer to what a chief steward is. Right. Um, but chief steward in other countries wouldn't be responsible, for example, for the diving activities necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, and similarly for the planning of the itineraries, whereas as a cruise director in Indonesia, we're not just accompanying you on all the activities. We're, we're talking to you about the itineraries, both during and before the cruise. Um, yeah. But we're also in control of the whole of your hospitality experience also. So it's quite it's it's really a niche position, which which I feel lucky that, you know, through my career and the roles that are fulfilled, it's actually without realizing it, it prepared me for that for that moment where I stepped on board three years ago. So it's quite a specialized position, but it's still every day I'm on the boat. It's a privilege. Yeah. And I like that you pointed out because it is. Um, in all my years in the super yacht industry too, I find it very unique, that title, especially in parts of Asia, because it does encompass so much. Whereas a lot of other places, you're right, you, you know, you'd have your basic crew names. It'd be like a chief stew, engineer, captain, everything else. Um, but a cruise director really does involve its own hat, many different hats, like you've said. Um, and yeah. you're very involved with the people who are on board as well. So it's not like they're just going to see you here and there. You're, you're up close and personal, probably the whole voyage. Absolutely. I, I see the role a lot. Like as, as in, it's like you're a host, you know, uh, you come on board and, and I, I'm your host, you know, I'm, I'm your friend. I'm your motivator. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm all of those things that you need at the right moment through the day to help you make the most and maximize your opportunities. And one of the, biggest challenges that, that, that I enjoy on board is is learning about your guests and, and getting to the point where where I can I gently start learning about them and I can start to suggest and push activities that maybe before they might not have realized they'd have enjoyed but once you start to build up that relationship and build up that trust with your guests 
then they you know they sort of let themselves go then and, and they're sort of they you know they're more open to your suggestions so a lot of the times I'd have guests in advance would say no we're not divers we're not really interested we'd like to do a bit of snorkeling um, mm. and then you know four days in they're then saying how about diving <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> very true which also brings up another good point in a region like that you really do want a good 10 days, two weeks holiday, don't you? Like I find a week would be yeah. so short to really cover and to get around places too. It obviously takes some time to get, um, you know, from island to island. But so you've been with them for three years. So the boat was built in, I believe, like 2005, right? But it just went under a big, pretty big refit. Is that right? Correct, correct. Yeah. So I, I was actually with um, with Aman Resorts um, three years ago. Where, which when I stepped onto the boat with um onto their vessels mm. so my time with the leak is, is is much shorter you know um the the pandemic era um, yes. has obviously led to a lot of fluidity in in positions here particularly in in cruise directors which are, are generally you know it's foreign foreigners in positions and and of course a lot of these boats have, have done very little in the past 18 24 months so yeah. it, it's not it's not a moment where there's been that many opportunities for cruise directors, but um, as I'm from Liverpool, you know we love um, we love football, and our, our song is "You'll Never Walk Alone," and there's yeah. beautiful lyrics in there. It says, "At the end of the storm, there's a golden sky." Yeah, um, nice. And like, we're just starting to see the end of the storm, and the sky is turning a very nice colour. <laughs> yeah. So um, we're starting to look forward to the future with a bit of optimism now, and so yeah, Leakai has gone through a, a very major um refit and refurbishment they've done they've done some spectacular work um i first saw the boat uh six months ago um and a lot of the work by that point had been done um but it's amazing how you can do so much work but until you add the final five percent of things it doesn't look it doesn't look ready you know um mm-hmm. so i saw it before all of the fixtures and fittings went in so you know all the all the cushions, all the all the nice comfy chairs, and all the little tables, and all of the all of the the, the, the fluff, if you like, to use yeah. to use, a, to use a simple word. Um, and as soon as they added that that final five percent, I mean, already it was an impressive an impressive piece of work what they'd done. But once they added in all of those touches, and you could see the color scheme running through the boat, and it's so it's so white and and clean, and it contrasts so beautifully with the uh, with the natural color of the wooden decks and things. Um, it, it really is a, a spectacular site and the brochures that we have as well and the website um, really does um, really does um, represent it very well. You know, it's, it's a, they've done some really great work with it. Yeah. And I know, you know, like a lot of boats, it can be kind of something for everyone. But you guys also like to put the image of like it's a good family boat. There's actually you have two owner cabins, I believe, right? Like full owner cabins. So if you want to get groups together, it's kind of fantastic for that as well. So do you find it caters to one certain type of clientele or is it, you know, something for everyone? I'm sure it's the latter, but anything you could share about, you know, the experience that people can expect to get when they come on board. And I know having experienced crew all around the world, the Indonesian crew is unlike anything I've ever met before. They are so attentive. So I assume it's no difference with you guys and just from talking to you as well. So is it like, what, what do you think makes her such a great charter yacht? 
Um, I, I, th- I think you, you got it. You got it in one when you said, "Is it is it a yacht for all?" And and, and that is correct. But it, it it it's very easy to then overlook that and think, "Well, oh yeah, they want everybody on it." Um, but you know, by that we mean yes, we're perfect for families. We have the, the boat itself is is it's designed well that you know with the the um, the, the rails at the side of the boat are not too low. Um, everything is is very enclosed. The the way the saloon um, is constructed, it's it's fixed walls on the sides of the saloon. So so that offers a lot of space in the saloon because quite often on many of the vessels you'll have the walkway on either side of the boat um, and the saloon, if you can, if you, if you picture me. So on the sides of the boat, you could mm-hmm. walk up and down from the back to the front and the stern to the bow. Um, and then you'd enter into the side of the saloon, whereas a leak is not like that. So the saloon is built to the edges of the boat, right. which means that you can, you, your kids would be very safe in there um, because then they're, they're not, there's no opportunity to, to to even look over the side of the boat. Um, stepping forward to the bow area, it's it's a really expansive area that's full of lots of seats and lots of cushions. It's very comfortable. It's shaded, um, and again, all the sides all along are all are all raised. So it's somewhere that obviously with supervision, um, but you'd you'd really not have any concerns bringing a younger family on um, or any kids of any age for that right. matter. Yeah. In addition to that, there's obviously also the um, the upper deck area, um, our lounge area. So this is the the, the location where we set up the cinema at night under the stars, um, if you so wish. Um, and then again, further up on, to, on on the very top of the boat, we have the sun deck area. So while being good for families and being able to accommodate everybody in the lower deck area or up on the lounge area um, for a dinner under the stars, um, it's also good for groups in the because we've got seven cabins, if sometimes you can have a group of friends come on board and they might be the very best of friends. But if you're if you're cruising for seven to 14 <laughs> nights, there's always some moments where you just like to, to get away, you know. Yes. Um, and, and, and we understand that as well. Um, and rather than having to go to your cabin to get your own space, I think it's um, it, it's always it's always a big plus to have different areas where people can spread out. Um, and just enjoy enjoy their own space enjoy their own view without you know without people walking past without hearing the noise of other people you know or whatever people are doing it's it's always nice just to have those quiet moments and the boat does offer a lot of opportunities in mm-hmm. that for you to be able to um for you be able to sit, settle down and um, really enjoy your time another yeah. thing worth mentioning as well is um at the, at the cabins it's it's always it's always fantastic to have above deck cabins um, just because of the, the the benefits of the natural light coming through, and coming from coming from western built-up areas, you know, cities and and things like this, you know, if you've got a street light outside your window, you'll you'll understand what I'm talking about yeah. because you, you you really want darkness while you sleep, right? Um, and it it actually ties in with one of the most striking things I've ever found about living in Asia. And that is whenever I go back home to the UK, if you hadn't figured it out, yeah. whenever I go back home to the UK, it, it always, always, always throws my, my, my mind off balance because I go home in the summer, never in the winter. Yeah. And the days are so long and it'll be eight o'clock at night and I'll, I'll, I'll just be amazed that it's still light. And, yeah. and that's the thing that you find in Asia, you know, the sun rises at around 6am and it goes down around 6pm every day. Yeah. 365 days a year 
And one of the things that you find that your body adapts to so quickly is that cycle of the day. Because that's what we're built for, you know? Yeah. So to have true. that natural light entering your cabin early in the morning, well, that's that's naturally waking you up in the most perfect natural way and getting you ready for the most perfect day in the most beautiful of natural surroundings. So to have more of your guests in those above deck cabins means more people waking up even more super fresh, you know, because they've got that light in and just that natural invigoration that you get from waking up. So four of our cabins are above the deck. Um, yeah. There's three more below, um, but the two owner cabins, like you mentioned, um, they have the beautiful, um, it, I think it's actually quite unique amongst Phoenicians in Indonesia because there's two um, terraces, if you like, um, coming off the back because the two, the two rooms are um, above one another, the sterns. Um, so they each have their own their own terrace. Um, so you can sit on there at any point of the day and enjoy that view off the stern of the boat, which is completely un- uninterrupted and, and totally private too, um, because you're right off the stern of the boat. So there will certainly be nobody else mm-hmm. um, in your outline from the boat. So, yeah, it's really, really some fantastic adaptations there. And it's going to be fantastic once everything does get back into full swing and we really start bringing guests on and then it'll be a uh, great to start getting that feedback too yes yeah i think i mean everyone's been struggling and we're recording this at the end of september so 2021 for posterity <laughs> whoever's listening to this year's down the line <laughs> but um i know and you know this is a monthly podcast and we've constantly been like but things are feeling more promising now but i really feel like they finally are you know like uh, i used to live in the uk so i have a lot of friends and family there so i'm very aware of like all their you know red, yellow, green lists and amber lists and whatever, you know, for oh. traveling. And, and that's starting to wean really off. And I think they were the ones with the strictest. But you guys had some pretty strict um, travel restrictions as well. But they've started opening it up now to like the wider region and things like that. Right. So it does look like things will be moving a little bit better <laughs> in the next few months. Yeah, it does. What, what is I've, I've cautiously optimistic? I've from the UK. Oh, um, really? I just arrived back into Indonesia just, just two, three weeks ago. It's been a while since I've been home and okay. I felt like things are about to really get started again. So I yes. disappeared home yes. um, for a quick month in April and then obviously everything went the wrong way for a little bit. So okay. I had to <laughs> extend my stay. Oh, um, wow. You went back like in April. And then we're stuck yeah, there all yeah, summer. Yeah. Okay, wow. Well, at least it was over the summer. But uh, it's yeah, the best time to be there. And my 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 family are all complaining now. Oh, it's getting cold now. Like, well, it was definitely time to come back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't mind splitting my time like you. <laughs> Although I I can't complain now because living in the UK, yeah, there's the rain and this and that. But uh, I'm back in Canada now, and there's winter. And I'm sorry that kind of trumps. <laughs> everything <laughs> so, uh, you can love skiing as much as you want but at the end of the day um, like you were saying with the so much sunlight uh like in the summer yeah. say we love that because the winter it just gets so dark same like the uk right like the sun sets yeah, yeah. Uh, you know four o'clock or whatever it is so um yeah but i imagine your internal clock yeah if it was consistent you know year round that's probably much better for all of us um and it's just be nice to live in a place like where you are. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yes, um, <laughs> yeah. yes, so having so much experience over there, especially from a dive perspective, 
Um, do you have any favorite corners of Indonesia that you love to go or even, you know, you don't have to share the secret spots because I know as it gets more popular over there, people are kind of clinging to their, uh, <laughs> their really top secret locations, especially for diving. Uh-huh. But um, do you have any like can't miss areas if people were going to come over or what and it could be on land or, you know, by boat, like, like Ali Kai or something? Um, I, what I always like to do when, when people, when you receive that first inquiry, the first thing I always try to do is try to try to find out from, from, from the guests, you know, what, what do you enjoy to see? Like what, what, what are you most wanting to get out of your trip to Indonesia? You know, do you want to see oceanic manta rays? You know, when they, when they come over the top of you, it's literally like watching an aircraft come over. Mm. Um, it's it, every time it, 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 it's just so spectacular it, it, I can't even put it into words do you want to see whale sharks you know I can take it to three different locations throughout Indonesia where we can pretty much guarantee seeing whale sharks one of those um, is next to an island called Sumbawa which is in between Komodo and Bali so it's it's relatively reachable even on a Komodo trip if you extend it over seven days uh, we can throw some whale sharks in as if as if a journey to Komodo wasn't wasn't spectacular enough mm-hmm. um there's a there's a really 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 unique and special place called triton bay um in the far east of the country um in the Rajarampat direction um this has the benefit of being able to we can show you whale sharks we can show you um aboriginal uh, rock art that's painted um on the rocks many 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 moons ago um but trying bay is also very very biologically unique in that they have a, a number of endemic species um and for the actual size of this bay which is not particularly big in the grand scheme of things um, they have their own endemic species of walking shark that can only be found in this in this bay um you have whales that, that swim through quite frequently um you very often see dolphins um, and while we're on while we're on diving as well, it, it is a macro diving paradise, um, Triton Bay. Um, so very often, what you'd normally find, and what I try to explain to people, is the only the only the biggest limitation in, in exploring Indonesia or planning your yacht journey. It's the only the only challenge is imagination. You know, how big is your imagination about what you can think you can achieve? Because everything's achievable. Mm. Um, with enough time and, and, and good enough planning and being in the right location. Um, the best, I mean, obviously, if you want to, if it's your first voyage in Indonesia, I would never talk you out of going to visit Komodo or going to visit Rajarampat because these two trips alone will stay with you for the rest of your life. And, and I can guarantee these are trips you would want to repeat. But once you've seen these two locations, you, you really, it's it's just like, you know, pushing you off and then off you go and and then there's so many other possibilities and I've been lucky enough to make many exploratory voyages and cover um, a lot of off the beaten track routes within Indonesia um, so this is how I was lucky enough to come across Triton Bay um, so let me talk to you very quickly about pygmy seahorses okay yeah I'd love um, to hear it <laughs> obviously little seahorses you know one to four centimeters um, accidentally discovered in the late 60s because someone was studying a Gorgonian sea fan and noticed there were some tiny sea fa- uh, seahorses 
um, that were attached to it. And that was how uh, Pygmy Seahorses got discovered. Oh, uh, wow. The camouflage is so spectacular. (laughs) Um, There's currently nine species known, but the last one was only discovered last year. Oh, Um, wow. You know, Indonesia's location basically means it's the Amazon of, of the underwater world. It's, right. It's, it's, it's flush of food and, and nutrients that, that get pumped up from the Indian Ocean um, with the currents that filter through all the islands. So that's what makes it so biologically diverse. Um, but pygmy seahorses, ask any dive guide in the world, they'll tell you, you will not see a pygmy seahorse shallower than 17 meters deep. However, in Triton Bay, I was on an exploratory cruise and one of my guests only snorkels. He's not a diver. Mm-hmm. And he'd always said he wanted to see a pygmy seahorse. And and I'm sure you'll have many of your listeners that will say, nah, this is rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> but he saw a pygmy seahorse while snorkeling. Snorkeling, in wow. Triton Bay. On Amazing. the little Komodo dive site, if uh, if anyone does want a real a real tip, um, a pygmy seahorse while snorkeling, man, these, these things are it's pretty spectacular yeah um, further away from further away from Triton Bay and moving a little bit away from biology and diversity you know a lot of people really enjoy history too um so one of my favorite locations throughout Indonesia is called uh it's Bandanera and the Spice Islands so um mm. this is a route that we'll be looking to add with the Likai voyage in the in the coming in the coming seasons it's 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 smack bang in the middle of uh, your relocation from Komodo to Rajarampat and back the other way um so it's a cruise that's achievable uh for a six to eight week window twice a year um just due to its remote location and position in the middle of the Banda Sea um so the Spice Islands has has the most incredible rich history that I'm amazed hasn't been covered by any big film studios yet the day must be coming. Yeah. Um, discovered by the by the Europeans in the 1500s and 1600s, it almost led to a war between the Dutch and the English. Um, you walk through the streets there today, and uh, there's still the ancient cannons lying in the streets. Um, oh, wow. All the all the old traditional houses are there. Um, you walk through the plantations, which the Dutch, which the Dutch um, forced the locals to build. So the plantations they grow their um, nutmeg, uh, nutmeg and mace. It was more valuable than gold um, just a few centuries ago. Wow! Uh, and untouched, that, like you said. Totally untouched. Totally yeah. untouched. And so you feel like you're on the other side of the world when you when you step foot there. There's um, a governor's palace. That's built out of imported Italian marble, modeled oh, wow. on the opera, on the opera theater in Naples. That must look so out of place, um, though, does it? Sort of. I, it's it's so spectacular. It, yeah, it, it just fits in. It just fits yeah. in. With, you, you know, it's in the shadow of this volcano, uh, which is a fantastic climb as well, by the way. Um, it's such a sleepy little place. It's this the deep water means it's flush with tuna, so. The locals just they, they just eat tuna, yellowfin tuna. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the local the local fish there is pretty fantastic. But yeah, this um, this governor's palace there's there's a secret window, um, and if, if you find this window, the last French governor of Bandanera, Charles Rumpley, in the 1800s, he scratched a suicide note into the um, into the window with a diamond ring before he before he committed the deed. Oh, really? Um, and it's still there to this day. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you walk through and you can see it. It's written in French, so but, um, for a, a lot of your listeners, I think, if you're based in Canada, you might have the uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> to, 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 to dissect that. Um, yeah. So yeah, you know, if you like biology, if you like history, there's, there's there's really something for you. And I haven't even touched on the culture yet. It's such a such an incredibly diverse country. Yeah, and I think um, you know, without doing a hard sell, you're kind of also showcasing to people why it's so important when you're booking a trip, especially to a region like this. You really go with people who know what they're talking about and can highlight this because it's very easy for people to say we don't dive. Um, you know, we're not into that. But then, like you say, you're basically sitting on top of the Amazon. Trust me, a few days after, you know, sitting above it, you're going to want to explore it. Or even if it's just the snorkeling, but just to see it in the mm. best place in the world to to do these dives and, you know, to see these corners. And it is such a big region. I find it's one of those countries, too, that you can't just say, like, oh, I've been there. You know, I don't need to go back. It's very much... Like you said, every time you go back, you're going to see something new for the first time. It's like a whole nother country, you know, from island to island. Yeah. They can be so different. So um, I think you kind of highlighted that for me. I, I wanted you to share a little bit about what makes the region so special. But I think our listeners are probably really, um, you've painted a really beautiful picture for them. And I'm definitely going to plug, you know, all of the Alakai's handles and stuff like that because the, the images that you guys have as well is amazing on the website and on your Instagram and things like that. So you're making me miss it very much. And I'm not saying that just because I'm heading into a Canadian winter <laughs> over here. <laughs> um, but you personally, because um, you did, you know, come to the super yacht industry in a little roundabout way. If you weren't, you know, a cruise director on board Alakai right now, would you be a marine biologist? Would I'm assuming you'd still be doing something on water. Um, or do you have a total other side we don't know like a musician by night or something <laughs> what would you be doing if you weren't in this current position i i, I do actually quite 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 enjoy music i'm, a, <laughs> I'm, I'm something of a campfire guitarist okay. you, might, you might say um so i certainly wouldn't be doing anything professionally because um, i might find some uh, some pay payments withheld okay um, but you can serenade people on board that's good to know uh, live music on board <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I best not open my mouth, but, <laughs> okay. but I let my fingers in the talking. Um, if I wasn't a careers director, I, my, my background as well was in hospitality. So I was, a, I was a, um, a general manager of a hotel in the UK and I ran a few bars and restaurants and things like that. So okay. I would imagine if I wasn't a careers director, I would probably be back there. Um, but every night I would go to sleep and I would dream about being a cruise director in Indonesia. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can't really uh, say that then, can you? You know, the the looking glass, I guess. It's it's good to know you're where you want to be. And since you're not, you know, born and raised in Indo, do you think you'll you'll stay there? I mean, you get your little visits back to the UK, but it must be really, it feels like you'd be leaving paradise a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty settled here. I, I, I've yeah. lived in Bali for the majority of the last two years. Um, I'm settled here, my partner, she's, she's Indonesian. Um, and, and I think she's pretty settled here. And I'm not quite ready yet to to drag her to Europe and 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 suffer her through a European winter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why are we here again? Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, now I'm pretty settled. Bali is a spectacular place to live. Um, it's extremely quiet for the last couple of years, but it's it, it's also an incredibly diverse and very unique island too. Um, it's, it's a bit of a melting the pot, only... eh? There's so many different cultures yeah. and people that end up there. Yeah, entirely. And yeah. you know, just just the, um, the the local people, you know, the, they practice a unique form of Hinduism, 
um, that's that's blended with the old uh, kind of animist beliefs and and traditions. So a lot of a lot of those two two sort of distinctive um, uh, religions that sort of come together in Bali. So it's it's very unique the way they do many things, and that just serves to to highlight you know the um, the diversity of the culture of Indonesia. You know, it's it's very easy to to say it's the fourth largest country on the planet um, and it's the most populous Muslim nation on the planet, but it's it's still very much a secular country. So from one island to another, it, it can be it can be so so different and so mm. and still so diverse. You know, I I listened to one of your previous podcasts and I heard that you know you'd very often recommend that people do um, decompress in in Bali. You know, before yeah. or after the cruise, and I always recommend that because especially if you guys are traveling from Canada. Um, oh God! Yeah. <laughs> it, it's always a real crime that if you arrive on the boat direct from your international long haul flight, and obviously you need to give your body time just to adjust to to you know to the time differences and things like that. Yeah. You, you don't want to lose 24, 48 hours while you're still trying to adapt. So mm-hmm. I'd really recommend a stay somewhere in advance of of boarding or traveling to your destination where you're bored. Yeah. Well, a quick, a quick bit on job, you know, a lot, a lot of, a lot, get, or not a lot gets said about Java, I should say. It's the most populous island in the country, you know, but in the middle of Java is a city called Jogjakarta. Um, and then just on the outskirts of there is a place called Borobudur. So Borobudur is the largest Buddhist temple on the planet, um, wow. constructed in the seventh century. And one of the most amazing things about this is like, I, I was lucky enough to visit there. Um, and it, it, it's one of the most memorable experiences of my life watching the sunrise there and all the Buddhist monks were, were on the top and it could, there were three volcanoes in, 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 wow. in the, around, around, the, around, the, um, around the, the, my line of sight and the sun rising through and all the mist off the rice paddies and the hills and there's beautiful deep greens that you get from the vegetation. Yeah. Um, but this, this, this temple was lost for centuries and it was only rediscovered in the 1800s buried under buried under trees and like overgrowth and and, wow yeah, yeah, yeah. incredible that's incredible. So incredible i think uh one of the other things that you could possibly do if you weren't doing this i think you could be a writer you're sending all these images to my head and i'm like this sounds beautiful <laughs> <laughs> you're really painting the picture you know so i don't think uh, maybe if you can't sing like you say you could be a writer a songwriter or something but um no it's a very mm. good point and once you're there as well it's much easier to island hop so like if you did want to decompress maybe not in bali maybe you wanted to see java or somewhere else but i think that's the biggest thing we try to get across with people because especially a lot of our clientele you know we're not catering similar to to alicot you know it's like 135 meters 40 41 meters sorry 135 feet so we kind of fit in that um charter size you know we're not the the brokers that are doing, you know, hundred meters plus kind of thing. So a lot of people will be saving for it, or maybe it's a special occasion or something. And, you know, it's already stretching the budget, but it's hard to explain that because you're stretching the budget and it is such a one-off experience, you really don't want to waste any time. So paying for that hotel for a day or two on either end of it is worth its weight in gold, just because you will have every chance to soak up your experience. Otherwise you're right. Like you're sleeping away the day on, you know, your first day on board maybe. And then that's one day gone. And anyone who's been on a yacht charter, especially the one you're describing, 
every day is like filled with possibility and you don't want to waste a second of it. So yeah, I, I like that you're on board with that <laughs> to, to decompress and, and spend some time on land before really taking advantage at sea. And um, so I, I'll definitely plug it at the end, but let us know some of the great places people can find you online, your website, Instagram. I know for the boat, for you personally, wherever you want to send people, let us know. Find us at alikaivoyage.com, which is alikai, A-L-I-I-K-A-I hyphen voyage.com. And on Instagram, you can find us at alikai underscore voyage. Um, and if you'd like to see a sample of my own photos, you can find me on Instagram at rich7321, just in numbers, nice and nice and simple. Okay, amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time. And for those listening, uh, this was a big pull too, because it's like 8.30 my time in Eastern Standard, and it's really early in the morning for you over there. So thanks for uh, rising with us when you're not... Uh, on board greeting guests and it's probably a day off for you. So I really appreciate it. Um, thank you so oh, much. Welcome. It's a pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to see the world differently until next time. Keep daydreaming.